What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined on the other side, as always, by David Lake. Florida State week, it's here. Yeah. Uh, Miami set to face the rival Seminoles on Saturday night. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, really just kind of get into the latest with Miami as they are practicing and preparing for the Seminoles. Uh, Miami, number 12 in the polls, so they are ranked 2-0. David, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. FSU week's always fun. I got to admit, though, I, I am missing – so typically in a normal year and not 2020, uh, FSU week, when you go cover practice, you can hear the, uh, you know, the war chant. They, they play the war chant kind of nonstop out at practice to, number one, get guys annoyed – about about Florida State, get them a little riled up, and you know, just kind of get you in that vibe too. Clearly, in 2020, we don't get to go cover practice; everything's done via Zoom, so I'm missing that. So, after this podcast, I might have to just fire up the war chant on my own on YouTube or something, <laughs> and, and listen to it and get hyped. How come we haven't seen like a photo? Uh, maybe maybe they have. Has Florida State put out their? traditional photo where the hurricane flag is is flying they, above their... yeah okay. they put out a video yesterday on social media where they you know they fly the flag up uh the start of practice so they've definitely they're they're doing their side of the thing too so it's it's fsu miami week um i'm here for it let's start with what i think is an interesting storyline um the betting spread, the line. Uh, we were trying yeah. to figure out where this thing would open up. I think I said like 14 points. Someone else said 21 points. And it opened up <laughs> at 10 points, according right. to William Hill, which to me is a bit surprising. Yeah, I probably would have been closer to that 14-point uh, mark that that you said. Um I wonder, you're, you're kind of more of the betting guy than I am. I wonder if in general this season, uh, things aren't going to really take off with lines until that day with, with all these availability reports and all that being released on game day. Um, you know, it's a big deal in terms of like who's available, who's not available. Right, right. And you don't find out until game day. Or in, in Miami's case, you don't find out until an hour before the game. So, right. you know, how much did the uh, the Louisville line end up swinging? About before? five points. So Miami went from being a two point dog to a like two, two and a half, three favorite. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that wasn't because of some no COVID suspension or anything. I think people just realized the more they looked at it. And the right. more everyone gets a feel for this season, that Miami had a pretty good chance of. I think what I'm getting at too, though, is maybe people are waiting to bet. You know what I mean? Right. So they're waiting to bet till game day, just in case COVID stuff happens. And so when the bets start flying in on game day, you see that that line really take off. I wouldn't be surprised if this line continues to grow. Um, but you know, we'll see. And and honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Like betting this Miami Florida State game, in my opinion, like you just never know how these games are going to go. Right. Kind of my my thinking with this game, like my head, 
like my eyes tell me Miami is kind of the much better team. Uh, but my heart, you know, I got too much respect for Florida State. I got too much respect for this rivalry. So would I be surprised if, you know, it's like a seven or eight point game and things are kind of tight in the fourth quarter? Not at all. That's just kind of how this game goes. And we saw that two years ago, right, in 2018. Right. And that's the game I wanted to bring up. Uh, it's hard to really fa- not fathom this, but I almost kind of in a way forgot that back in 2018, when Miami faced Florida State, Miami was ranked 17th at the time, 5-1. and one. Uh, right. They were 14-point favorites over the Seminoles, who were 3-3, three and three, kind of struggling. Um, and Miami needed a late rally to win that game with the Nicosi Perry pass to Brevin Jordan right. in the fourth quarter. I mean, Miami was down 20-7 to seven at halftime. So I think that just kind of shows – Right. How and it sounds so cliche, and I hate it. You you got to throw the records out the window, and I mean you kind of do, but um, these things can get, you know, you, you don't play down to your competition, but everyone gets up for that game, and it always can lead to an interesting kind of situation and uh, scenario. Yes, the it was similar. I think it's fair to say it was similar vibes uh, going into that 2018 compared to going into this game, right? So. Florida State was was kind of struggling to, to find its footing in that first year of, of the Willie Taggart era. And, you know, things weren't looking good. Miami at that time was, you know, winning games. Uh, whether it looked good or not, they were winning games. So they did enter the game as significant favorites. I would probably say this Miami team overall is probably stronger. And I say that because you know, the offense is significantly stronger. I think you would definitely give the, the nod to Miami's defense when you compare the two defenses. But the, uh, the fact that this offense, so far from what we've seen, appears to be significantly better, you give the overall edge to this 2020 Miami team. And then also, in my opinion, uh, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be a hot take guy when I say this, but you know, I think this Florida State team is worse than the 2018 Florida State team, just from a personnel standpoint, right? Uh, is no, Mike I mean, yeah, is Mike I mean, Norvell I, a better coach, maybe, but the personnel, right. in my opinion, is down. And I, I get it; you're not trying to, you know, crap on Florida State, but I do think when you look at the box score from that 2018 game, uh, and then you look at the projected two deep, or not even the projected two deep, the two deep that Florida State released on Monday in their uh, game week notes, uh, you know, it's not, it's two, two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, that 28 team had Cam Akers, uh, Trey McKitty. Uh, I mean, I mean, there was a, a, a t- uh, Brian Burns. Brian Burns. There was like a still ton. had Marvin Wilson, still had Tamori and Terry. So, you know, it still had a lot of the guys that are their top players now, but then also it had other, you know, top three, top four round NFL draft pick type talents, you know, it's only one game and maybe guys get significantly better from game one to game two. I'd say that's not probable. It is possible. But, you know, from what my eyes told me in that season opener against Georgia Tech, this Florida State team is kind of lacking talent in a lot of places. 
you know, outside of those guys we we've already highlighted, like like Marvin Wilson and and Tamori and Terry, defensive tackle Corey Durden's good as well. I, I'm a big fan of Amari Gaynor, but you know, overall, this year's Florida State team to me just it, it it's kind of the the weakest group Miami has seen during this. You know, Miami's riding a three game current uh, winning streak over Florida State. Uh, this, in my opinion, is the weakest of those Florida State teams. Right. Um, I guess, like, what is not your key to the game or what is, like, your thought process or, or storyline? Um, to me, like, just, again, comparing what we've seen, what we know about Miami, what we've seen, what we think we know about Florida State, it's kind of the same situation as last season. Like, how is Florida State – going to block Miami I just right. like I don't I don't know that and that kind of goes into how is Florida State going to put up points because I feel pretty confident that Miami is going to be able to score five, four or five touchdowns um, right and I could be completely wrong like I but that's just how I see this well and that's why to yeah. me the line is a little confusing Right. And we'll get into the, the nitty gritty. We'll, we'll take a deeper dive later in the week in this game. But I agree with you that, you know, if you, if you want to simplify this game, you, you could simplify it to uh, talking about, you know, the, how the offenses match up against the opposing defenses. So do, do we believe that Miami's offense has a realistic chance at scoring 30 points against Florida State? I think so. I mean, if not, I think they can get in that 28 range, right? Do we think Florida State's offense has a chance to score 30 points against Miami this week? I, I don't feel good about that happening. It could happen, but I, I think it's significantly less, less probable of happening. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, Florida State's probably going to have to score you know, at least 24 to 28 points and hope that their defense takes a significant jump from what we saw against Georgia Tech and limits Miami's offense and makes Miami's offense play significantly worse than we've already seen them play through two games. So I'm with you in terms of the betting line. Like, again, with my head, I don't think this is a very close game, but, you know, respect for the rivalry, you never know. Miami, Florida State typically is a close game. Um, it could happen, I think, but it's I, tough. I think if uh, Florida State is going to get Miami, it's going to take – they are going to have to force a bunch of turnovers. Yeah. They are going to – and Derek King, I mean, there's been maybe – I would say probably two balls to date um, that have should have been maybe picked off. Uh but right. he has not thrown an interception yet. He's not fumbled. And if Florida State is able to generate multiple turnovers, then I think it's going to put Miami um, in a situation. Like, that, that, that's, how you would, that's how you dial up the upset, I think. Yes. Um, and going back to his Houston days, he's always been a guy who protects the football. Like, that's kind of – like, De'Ara King does that. So, yes, I'm with you. As long as De'Ara King is Miami's quarterback, as long as he's in the game at quarterback – I, I don't think it's it's a very close matchup. Um, you know, I think the path to winning for Florida State 
is they got to make it an ugly game, make it kind of a defensive struggle, kind of what they did against Georgia Tech in the season opener. Um, and, and Miami, you know, the, if, if Miami can make this a shootout, I mean, Florida State's not going to be able to score with Miami. Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, logically, I don't see it. There are some adjustments that Florida State can make from game one to game two that could make the game a little more interesting. Like maybe they work in uh, Jordan Travis, who's their backup quarterback, um, kind of more of an athletic guy. Uh, maybe they work him in as like a wildcat slash zone read quarterback. Maybe have, they have some packages there. Uh, if Hamza Nasraldine is a full go, he's definitely the type of defender that is valuable against a spread offense because he's very long, 6'3", 6'4", and he brings a lot of position versatility. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. So he would certainly help uh, their range as a defense, their speed as a defense, because in my opinion against Georgia Tech, the guys that were out there looked slow. Like Georgia Tech, who isn't necessarily super fast on offense, was getting to the edge constantly. And, you know, from what we've seen from Miami during these two games, Miami's having a lot of success getting to the edge in the run game, particularly to the right side where Jared Williams is, the, the right tackle transfer. And so that's certainly something Florida State's going to need to address coming off that Georgia Tech game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I think I – I just don't think Florida State matches up well with Miami is kind of the bottom line we're getting at, right? Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm just trying to call it how I see it. One thing we haven't even discussed, Mike Norvell just not – going to be in Miami you know he tested positive for COVID-19 um, I think last time we taped on Sunday it was kind of unclear up in the air if he was going to be there or whatnot but he's not Do you, like this is the first major football coach that has yeah um, tested po- like what how does that change things I guess I don't even know um, who the interim I, head coach is. I, I never even heard of this guy's name until um, right I didn't but that's just you know that's my ignorance right uh he's been a head coach i think at the division two level uh so he's definitely he has experience at at getting a team prepared for a game week um but certainly look i don't think you can just gloss this over it's a big deal man like in college football it's about the head coach everything is about the head coach everyone on in a football program whether it's the coordinators, the assistants, the recruiting ops people, your star players, the backups, the walk-ons, everyone looks to the head coach to set a tone for whatever situation they're entering. And, you know, this being a huge rivalry game, it's a primetime game, spotlight game for Florida State to potentially show some things. In my opinion, it's a big deal that Mike Norvell is not going to be there. Um, I think I'm talking too, like he is their play caller, like he is their offensive play caller. And so that's another thing that Florida State has to deal with. Now they have Kenny Dillingham, who is a Mike Norvell guy. You know, it seems like Mike Norvell has, has groomed him 
to be a play caller maybe in the future. Um, so he's going to be handling those duties on, on Saturday. And it seems like uh, Dillingham and Norvell are kind of in lockstep with, with how they view the game and, and want to call plays. But still, like, I mean, Kenny Dillingham will be calling plays against a pretty good uh, Miami defense. Um, you know, it's not a good situation. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm not trying to be like Miami Homer guy. I would be saying this if Manny Diaz is out for a game. It's, it's never good to not have your head yeah. coach available for a huge rivalry game. And the other thing is we don't know who else could potentially – not be available. And that goes both ways. I mean, even for Miami, sure. we didn't know the Jeremiah Payton stuff until they were bored in the plane or the rumors right. started spreading then. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if there's going to be others. It, I don't know. I, I think kind of get, getting a little bit away from the game and just talking more about this, the state of Florida state in general, like you gotta be pretty upset if you're Mike Norvell because it is a spotlight yes. game, like you mentioned. And now you're like, I'm assuming you're not doing anything with college game day uh, this week. You know, that, that's a free, not advertisement, right. but uh, just kind of sucks and is unfortunate. I bet they'd have them like zoom in, you know, like some sort of zoom call. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, during the course of the game, how often do they show the head football coach on the sideline doing what he's doing, you know? Um, and they're going to be constantly talking about how Mike Norvell is out for the game. Like that's a storyline Florida right. state football is going to have to deal with. It's, it's, it's not the greatest look to be honest. It's not something they could have necessarily controlled. COVID is highly contagious. There's no rhyme or reason to why you get it sometimes. Um, but anyways, it's, it's just not a great, it's not good for the, the game day operations it's not a good PR look. Um, it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate for Florida State that, that this has happened for this game. All right, let's take a quick break. Um, talk a little bit about Miami and uh, some of the players that have already met with the media this week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David, um... I, I know there were some Zoom calls on, on Tuesday where multiple Miami yeah. players uh, had a chance to meet with the local media. The guy I want to start with is, I think, every Miami fan's like favorite player right now. That's Jose Borgales, um, four for four against Louisville, hit from 57 yards, probably would have been good from 62. Dude, he was awesome. <laughs> um, yes. 
like Barstool Sports is like main account was tweeting about him about it, like he mentioned just, like his phone was blowing up from uh, I assume he meant like social media notifications right so when his when his username yeah, like, got dinged he's he said my phone was blowing up all day Sunday too so yeah um, he, but he the big- with us and, and he said you know he's he's approaching this year with a pro mentality right and, and one thing that that he was asked which i found kind of interesting is you know if if you remember to last year's loss to to fiu he drilled a 50 yard field goal right before halftime and was celebrating like a madman going into the locker room um you know he didn't do that on Saturday against Louisville. And he said, you know, he's, he's trying to be more even keeled, more of a professional this year. He said he did it last year because, you know, he felt like as the underdog, uh, FIU needed a bunch of momentum going in the locker room. It was good to pump up his guys, good for his guys on FIU to, to see that emotion. And he felt like that kind of worked out. It worked because they did you know, come out with momentum in the second half, et cetera. So, but this year he's kind of focused on, he, he, he wants to play in the NFL and he wants to be known as like an even keeled guy that just goes out and executes his job. And he definitely did that on Saturday and it's a huge deal. I remember that uh, like vividly him yes. uh, hitting that field goal because I was trying to get photos of him because I knew there was a good chance that my was going to try to try to get him. And I was like, this is my one opportunity to get photos of him. Uh, the other interesting thing I saw all over Twitter, and I'm sure maybe you've written about this or you will. Uh, he claims he can hit from 70 in warmups. Yes. Yeah. He claims like in practice, I assume, you know, this is no pass rush, just like straight up off a tee or whatever. But um, yeah, he says he, he can hit off 70 yard, you know, from 70 yards out. So well, he nerdy, was at, nerdy little special teams note here. Yeah. Uh, they, they kick off the ground. No T. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's high school where they use T's, right? You can. But the good guys, like his brother, Andres Borealis, yeah. like he kicks straight off the ground. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he definitely, he was asked because Manny said, he, Manny joked, like, hey, against UAB going into halftime, we kind of attempted a Hail Mary. Uh, it ended up being like a Derek King run that, you know, went down to like the five yard line or so. And he said, you know, Jose kind of joked with him like, Hey coach, next time use me. So he wanted to give him that opportunity against Louisville. And, you know, Jose did what Jose did drilled a 57 yarder. He said that was the longest field goal he'd ever made in a game. So that's certainly a good thing. And, you know, big picture wise from, from an offense standpoint, it definitely makes Miami's offense even more dangerous. In my opinion, I understand kicking special teams, but uh, points are kind of associated with offense. Right. So I think it's fair to say essentially now, whenever Miami crosses the 40, uh, you know, you can expect points and, you know, that has not been the case at Miami for a pretty long time now. So, uh, you know, expect points anytime Miami gets to the 40-yard line. Dude, I mean, there's like NFL teams that don't even have that uh, thought, like can't feel like that. 
right. in terms of just, and I'm not saying he's automatic. I'm, I'm assuming at some point. He's going to miss gonna, some. He's yeah. going to miss. But, but, and the other thing I, I heard, and I mean, this is kind of, kind of probably pretty obvious, but the amount of life he shoots into the sidelines yes. is like just the confidence for, I think everyone is huge. And, yeah. and Manny has touched on that before. I think he said when, when they send him out there, pretty much everyone expects him to make it. But I think that does wonders. And you keep talking about does 2019 Miami win that Louisville game? And it's like, well, probably not. No, um, they don't. Because one of those is a miss. And <laughs> right. I think all that stuff starts to starts to snowball. Um, who else Who else spoke? What other? Give us some other good nuggets. And it could even be from when uh, Brett Lashley and Blake Baker uh, met with the media. Yeah, so, um, you know, just a little Miami-Florida State week flavor. DJ Ivy, you know, essentially was talking about how big this rivalry game is to him personally. And he essentially said, like, look, he's currently 2-0 and against Florida State. He wants to leave Miami 4-0. and So, you know, that's kind of a common – that's kind of like the theme Manny Diaz is pushing, uh, you know, during Florida State week. What is your record against Florida State? That's what we care about here at Miami. So DJ Ivy made it clear he wants to be 4-0. Um, the coordinators yesterday, you know, Rhett Lashley, um, in typical coach fashion, you know, never satisfied, which I'm here for. I like it. Um, he kind of made it clear that he wants to see the offense be more efficient moving forward. Um, he was definitely happy with the big plays. Definitely happy with, with the points and, uh, you know, the, the yardage they did amass during the game. But he does feel like they have another level to go to in terms of efficiency. And, you know, I would assume that that mainly speaks to the penalties. There was a lot of, you know, penalties by the offensive line during the course of the game. And then also the drops. There was definitely some, some missed opportunities there with the wide receivers. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he's pushing to get this group to that next level, which I think is encouraging. Um, he said, too, one thing I, you know, we've talked about the offensive line a little bit. And, you know, how, in my opinion, they're playing pretty good so far. And he said, you know, I, I mentioned after the game, the PFF game that, uh, or the, the Louisville game, that PFF um, did not have Miami's offensive linemen allow a single pressure in that game, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Lashley, Lashley said, you know, through the two games, they have graded out Miami's offensive line as not allowing a sack yet um, this year. Now, Derek King's been sacked three times, I believe, so far through those two games. And, you know, in Lashley's opinion, the line has not been responsible for any of those three sacks. So that's a continued nice development for this offense as well. Like, you know, Derek King's getting all the attention, Cameron Harris getting all the attention and deservedly so. But I think you could also make a case that the job Garen Justice has done, the job the offensive line in general has done with taking a nice step forward this year deserves a, a ton of credit, a ton of attention as well, because, you know, those guys, like that line was not, not good last oh, year. Yeah. Uh, 11, 12 games ago. I mean, 
you had Zion Nelson grading out with like a 0.01 pass blocking grade. Um, so it is kind of yes insane. And I do think Garen Justice has not gotten enough credit um, for what he's done. And, I mean, we never even really discussed it. Like, Ja'Kai Clark just started against Louisville, and I, th- I thought he was absolutely fine. I thought the entire yeah. line was fine. Yeah, and that's what they said. That You know, they thought Ja'Kai was steady, and it sounds like they're definitely going to stick with him and the starting lineup moving forward. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were pretty much pleased with how he did. As far as the, the session with defensive coordinator Blake Baker, so I essentially asked him, you know, he came out and said against U, UAB after that UAB game, sorry, he said the corner play was average. He didn't really hold back in his assessment of that group in that game. So I asked him, you know, understanding, of course, the context of going against very good Louisville wide receivers, how do you feel like your corner group did in that game? And he said he thought they played much better. Um, you know, their techniques were, were cleaned up, uh, did, did a better job of, of staying focused and locked in during the game. Um, and, he, and he particularly praised DJ Ivy for bouncing back against Louisville, which I think is fair. Um, you know, Ivy allowed one reception in that game. So um, now is, there, is, is Ivy like a perfect corner? No, of course not. But if he continues to take coaching, uh, take accountability for poor performances and come back stronger the next week. I think we can all appreciate that. Right. Um, and, and the last thing I think we should touch on too, with, with the availability on Monday is, you know, they talked about how Ed Reed, uh, you know, makes an impact even on the sidelines from time to time, because <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like a, I guess it's like an official consultant. It's not even an unofficial consultant, <laughs> Uh, so basically like Ed, when he's at the games, he can't coach, he can't like coach the players. He can't talk to the players, but like Manny Diaz admitted like between series, sometimes he'll check in with Ed and see and say like, Hey, what'd you see on this? And Ed will give him some thoughts. Blake Baker, you know, same thing. Ed, Ed will come up to Blake Baker and, and tell him some things that he sees. You know, there's that viral clip. I'm sure you've seen it on, on Twitter where, Ed is talking to the refs and, and <laughs> essentially gets credit for uh, having a holding penalty, a defensive holding penalty called a, on Will Mallory. Um, so, you know, I think when Ed Reed was hired, there was, there was some feelings out there, mainly from like rival fan bases about how this was kind of like a figurehead position. And I'm not saying Ed Reed, uh, is a reason why Miami's won any of these games. But, you know, he's made, Manny Diaz has made it clear he's made an impact on the recruiting trail for them uh, during this, this offseason. Yeah. Uh, th- James Williams was, like, tweeting about that clip you are talking about, the five-star safety commit. Right. And, and Manny said, like, Ed talks to the recruits. So, like, he is actively recruiting. And, uh, you know, during games – you know, he's kind of like their culture guy. So, like, if he sniffs out anything that's off with the culture or the vibe of the team, it's kind of like Ed Reed's job to attack it. And, you know, Ed Reed is known as being, like, one of the smartest football players of all time. That's basically what made him so good. He was extremely smart, extremely studious, in, you know, leading up to games. 
and you know they're they're definitely picking his brain during the course of these games, which I think is a smart thing to do too. So uh, I thought that was cool. Well, it's like North Carolina had uh, what was it the director of culture a few years right. back, and it was the Caleb Presley guy who I think he's with Barstool now or something, and, and he would jump up and down on the sidelines and get all wild and and rowdy, which is cool. But I think like having Ed Reed, yes, you know, with that beard and a mask is a lot, it's <laughs> a lot different. It's definitely been a nice addition. Like you know. People wondered, like, and DJ Williams brought this up, right, on a podcast with us. Like, right. how much are they going to listen to it? Well, he's definitely involved. Like, I don't think anyone anyone has the feeling that you know Ed Reed is getting pushed aside. Like, they are they are leaning into Ed Reed and, and using him as a valuable tool. Yeah, and I think you got to point out that. Um you know, he can't technically coach because you can only have a certain amount of on-field assistance. Right. Normally a lot of programs have these analysts and they'll just sit up in the box. Right. Um, but he can't coach kids. He can't coach kids. But I guess you, co- he can, you can coach a coach. He can coach a coach. He can talk to a coach, which is kind of what he's doing, right? And, you know, Miami's coming out and saying this. So I'm sure they would not offer this up to us if it was against the rules of, of any sort, right? Right. So, yeah. Can't coach, can't coach the players, but he can tell the coaches what he's seeing during the course of the game. Okay. Well, tell us what you got coming up on the, uh, on the site over the next few days. And programming note, I think we're going to tape Thursday morning. Yes. Um, so give everyone a full day or two to listen to the, the preview before the Florida State game. But uh, what do you got coming up? Yeah, so just before we recorded recorded this episode, I threw up an article on – how Florida State has done, you know, dating back to 2019 against dual threat quarterbacks, you know, kind of within the context of they're going to face probably the most dynamic dual threat quarterback they faced uh, dating back to last year in De'Aaron King, right? So how did Florida State's defense do, uh, you know, defending those type of quarterbacks that make life difficult? I think it's an interesting read. And I think if you're a Miami fan, you should feel even better about, you know, the chances of Miami's offense having a, a successful day on Saturday. Um, tomorrow, I'm planning on kind of highlighting, or Wednesday, I should say. Wednesday, I'm kind of planning to highlight some of the game. Like, FSU does have game changers, right? They, they have talented players. I'm going to highlight those players and how they impact the game, what they can do to make things difficult from a Miami perspective. And I also kind of want to take a deep dive into the Miami offensive performance against Louisville, because quite frankly, uh, the Homer in me is getting a little riled up about all of a sudden uh, people want to talk about how the reason why Miami's offense (laughs) had success was because Louisville's defense is trash. Which is interesting because the narrative going into the game was, oh, New- Louisville's defense is better. Did you not see them against Western Kentucky? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go into why that, you know, moving of the goalpost is uh, silly. Like, uh, and, and I'll, sh- I'll explain in that article and show why um, you can't discount 
the the 75 yard offensive plays like those plays were set up by Rhett Lashley that was right. excellent play calling you cannot view big plays in a vacuum you cannot view play calling in a vacuum play calling's an art it it, it happens during the course of the game and so you know i'm going to show how uh those 75 yard plays really happened and how they they knew what Louisville was going to do um, on those plays and how they took advantage of, of Louisville doing those things. Well, uh, I also dropped some evaluation notes on a number of different prospects throughout the Sunshine State. Multiple Miami commits uh, mentioned, so feel free to check that out. And we will talk to you guys uh, next time. Take care, guys.